0: We're listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 172. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host. College Circuit Speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul. I am happy to be here as always, and we are going to jump right into it because today I am covering some of the topics I have learned from a book I was listening to on Audible called Nonviolent Communication. And I had sat this book down for a little while, Nonviolent Communication, and just decided to pick it up because football season's over, and I was sort of just randomly pushing buttons on the radio. I've got that Sirius XM and realized that it really wasn't doing much for me. I was listening to a lot of music, and i was starting to get a little bored with that. I know it's sort of odd. I, somebody who loves music as much as I do can actually get tired of listening to music. I like the auditory effect of it. Uh, but there's sometimes I want to learn. And so I go back into Audible, and Marshall Rosenberg uh, has a book called Nonviolent Communication. I'm a huge fan of it. This is my second time through it. Back end of it, in fact. I think I just finished, like, phase three of it. And the back end of it starts talking about... How you can increase joy and happiness and release depression, guilt, and shame by asking yourself three simple questions and understanding your motivation and your purpose behind um, the actions that you take. What actions are you taking consistently? What is the purpose and the motivation behind those? What values are you seeking to have met? What beliefs um, do these actions that you take prop up? Like what all that. There's a lot of cool stuff. So I thought, what a great topic to bring to everybody, because after all, college success habits is about developing healthy habits. Habits are generally going to be actions that you take, and what you control is your mind, and therefore you can control your results. I control my mind, therefore my results. You are not in control of anybody else's mind, therefore you are not in control of anybody else's thoughts, feelings, actions, or results. Just like they are not in control of your thoughts, feelings, actions, or results, you are in charge of you. The habits you create at whatever age, but specifically, you know, in those middle, high school, and college years, become the habits that you're contending with for the rest of your life. And as we discussed last week in how your mental health and your work habits are linked, if you are not being mindful of these areas, where you are showing the discipline, determination, tenacity, resiliency—I mean, basically the seven powerful principles to help you excel in college and beyond—that are in my book, available everywhere—is that by everywhere, I mean everywhere. It's when, once I hit Walmart, I was like, "Okay, I've officially, I've officially jumped the shark on this." And that your success is determined by your mental health, and right? And like we said last week, you are in control of your mind; therefore, you're in control of your results. And healing's deep work. There's a lot of stuff going on inside of you. We want you to uh, be focused on your mental health because this is something that most of society has not really put a lot of attention toward for centuries. Um, So I would say to all of you out there who um, are in a generation younger than mine, I am Gen X, is that the world that you are growing up in is completely unlike anything that we could have imagined when we were your age in the mid-90s and the early 2000s. Remember, we were all in college when the World Trade Centers got shaken down. Y'all were just coming of age and really hitting maybe out of, you know, what, your tween age years when the stock market crashed because the housing industry collapsed. Um, and then, you know, you got um, f- eight years of Obama into four years of Trump. So you have had, and then into four years of Biden. So you've had a very interesting um, societal shift while you have been coming of age, and we were just barely getting used to the internet when social media came out in oh six oh five oh six oh yeah was seven ish right around theres when I first like really got into Facebook. I took that job overseas, and I was living in Singapore, and I remember um Putting together like my Facebook profile, and like there was still like MySpace back then, I know Tom was everybody's friend um It was one of those situations where we were all just sort of figuring out how that was gonna work out, and it was the beginning of our data being you know controlled by somebody outside of ourselves, and smartphones weren't even a thing back then, like when we got full on keyboards, we lost our minds and you know didn't have to push five three times in order to get to the number five. Um, y'all have grown up in a whole different world and mental health has taken on a completely different spotlight than it used to. Before it was sort of like in the shadows, people didn't talk about it. Now people are talking about it and they're talking about it in ways that they may not have yet completely figured out. Some people are going to talk about it in healthy ways. Some people in unhealthy ways, right? There's, we are living in an information it's like the information supernova. It's not, we're beyond information age. It's, you know, human beings are producing more information in a year than the entire civilization had created previously. And I do remember reading that like up to like 2013, like some day in particular hit where it was like, we have officially created more information in the last year than had existed in the entirety of human civilization before now. And that's only increasing. So just be mindful that there have been people living for decades upon decades completely oblivious to the fact that there were needs not being met for themselves and for others as we shine the light on mental health. As we begin to open up our minds to this idea that, you know, um, our map is not the territory, what we believe is not what everybody else has to believe, that it's all subjective perspective. And we all have our own reasons for believing the things that we did from our environment and our capability and skills and identity statements, right, to our needs being met of certainty and variety, love, connection, contribution, significance, personal growth. You know, you start looking at this stuff and it's, Is it any wonder, I mean, seriously, is it any wonder that we as a species do not know as well as we will in the future how to communicate with one another in a a decent way? I mean, we had the burning of the bras back in the '60s and the '70s, launch right into the war on drugs and the I will not raise taxes and I did not have sexual relations with that woman, and you know into the whole debacle that was was, was Bush versus Gore into the World Trade Centers and then the housing crisis and then our first black president and then our first orange president and then we went into this next one which I'm not political. This show isn't going to get political, but. I think we can all look at the way the last 16 years have gone and there's been some highs and lows for people. And it's difficult for people to talk about with others who might have differing opinions because we get stuck in this idea that if we listen to somebody, then somehow we're condoning what they say. And that is not true. I have no hatred for Obama or Trump or Biden or any of the ones who came before. Some of they've done some good, they've done some bad, like every other president has. I mean, I'm pretty sure Grover Cleveland was the president back in the day when Carnegie, I want to say it was Carnegie at one of his steel mills, brought in a bunch of like former military personnel who like gunned down a bunch of his employees that were on strike for safety, safer working conditions. And the president didn't do anything at all about that. I'm pretty sure I watched that in some prime like documentary about the robber barons of the turn of the 19th century. So <laughs> go back and look over some history books. We've had some not so great presidents who perhaps at the time thought they were behaving appropriately. And later on, history told a different story. I mean, even the Gettysburg Address at one point was called a watered down crappy speech. And now look at the way that we um, hold Abraham Lincoln in that speech to such high regard. So I would just... Be mindful that you're going to have people with differing opinions. I welcome them all. I do not have room to judge anymore. I spent 22 years drinking myself to oblivion, had many successes, had many feedback opportunities, which you may have in the past called failures. Um, I live in a world now where I enjoy sobriety too much to be angry. I don't have any energy to be angry or judge other people. I've got better things to do with my time, like watch deer eat corn out in my backyard right now. And so as we move to the topic today about understanding these three questions and how they fuel you, I really want you to be mindful of how you interact with other people and what values and needs you're seeking to have met when you have conversations with people, when you do things for, with, and around other people. Some of you may have twinged and gotten angry and turned off the podcast as soon as I, you know, mentioned the black president to the orange president. I don't know. I just say words that come out of my mouth, hoping that they don't offend, but at the same time, not really looking to put a governor on my mouth. I'm not judging. Vote for who you want to vote for. Care about the things you want to care about. Just don't scream at the person next to you if they don't believe and feel the same way. It's period point blank. This idea that we've somehow got to you know soften up the entirety of society so that nobody ever feels offended is ridiculous like there's a part of me that says be feel offended if you want just be understanding that the other person could be just as offended and walking away with this I agree to disagree mentality is childish it's not agreeing to disagree it's respecting the other person's model of the world their their point of view And there's these three questions that we're going to go over now that are going to help you understand what energy you're taking into situations. And if you follow this and you really understand the motivations you have behind things, you're going to be able to increase your joy and your happiness. You'll be able to release the depression, release the guilt, release the shame, right? Because these things don't serve you. Try to surround yourself with happy things. That's a fool's errand. I live in a world where I don't seek to surround myself with things that bring me joy. I seek to find the joy in things that surround me. So the first question I want you to ask yourself is, what do you do in life that you tell yourself you have to do? I'm going to repeat that. What do you do in life that you tell yourself you have to do? And here's the here's the thing. You might say, I have to take this test, I have to write this paper, I have to go to school, I have to go to my job, I have to call my parents, I have to spend time with my boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. I have to go exercise. I, you, all these things that you have to do. I really want you to understand that you're choosing to do these things. It is a conscious choice you are making. And in that moment, you are recommitting to something that you already committed to. Let me repeat that. When you make a choice to do something, it's not that you have to do it. It's that you're recommitting to a choice you've already made. You've already committed to it. You don't have to go to class. You chose to take classes. You signed up for them. You paid for them. Now you're going to them because that's what you committed to do. You wanted to do this. You knew the work was coming. If it's, a, if it's a cupcake schedule with powder puff classes and, and little to no accountability and tests, how much are you actually learning? And is anyone going to take that degree of yours seriously when you show up and you're like, well, it's Excel. I don't know how to turn on a computer. And I know for those of y'all out there who are at that traditional age of college, 18 to 25, you were born with computers in your hands. You type 4,000 words a second and you think that you can multitask and do 16 things at once. It's called task switching. And honestly, you're not as good as good at it as you think you are because the human brain cannot concentrate on that many things at once. You can task switch all you want, but it is not necessarily making you more efficient or more effective. It is purely your subjective perspective that might have you thinking that way and when you ask yourself this question of what do you do in life that you tell yourself you have to do I want you to write those things down and I just listed off a ton class work spending time with friends not spending time with friends watching you know something for school taking notes going to talk to the professor? What do you tell yourself you have to do? I want you to make a list of those things that you say I have to do. I have to go to the gym, then I have to go to the store, and then I have to make dinner. You're choosing to do all those things. Don't go to the gym. Don't go to the store. Don't make dinner. Just sit on your couch and stare at a wall and eat nothing. You're choosing to do all those things. So make that list of the things that you're telling yourself you have to do. And then the second question I want you to ask yourself is, acknowledge that you're choosing to do these things, and I want you to write out this sentence. I choose to, then all those other things. But it's on your list from the first step. I choose to go study for this test, talk to my professor, spend time with my partner, cook dinner, go to bed early, stay up late, Drink on a test night, not drink on a test night. Call my parents, not call my parents. You choose to do these things. And I want you to write that sentence out. I choose to. I want you to actually be able to look down at a piece of paper knowing that you have consciously written out the sentence, I choose to do this. And then the third step is, what is the intention behind this choice? The third thing you're going to ask yourself is, what is the intention of this choice? I choose to study for my test because I want to get a good grade. Well, why do you want a good grade? Because I want to have a good GPA. And why do you want to have a good GPA? Because I want to have a strong transcript. Well, why do you want to have a strong transcript? So whenever it's sent to future employers, they see that I was a studious student and that I got good grades, which means I'm committed to my own education, which means I will be committed to their job. Right there's a whole slew of I choose to because I want to. So you want to study for this test so that you can have a good job. Why do you want to have a good job? Because I want to be able to save early for my retirement and spend my youth enjoying myself going on vacations. And I want to have children. And I want those children to have a good life. And I want those children to go to a good school. And I want to be able to retire early. And I want to be able to get an RV. And I want to be able to spend time watching bears through binoculars at Yellowstone. There's, a, there's another 10. I choose to because I want to. And if you build that out enough, you'll realize that what you're doing today is building your entire future. It's not that you're taking this test just to get a good grade on this test. It's that when you accumulate a bunch of, I choose to because I want to, that are more on, on that toward energy where you're looking to go. I'm doing this because I want to have a good job, because I want to be able to you know, provide for my family and have a nice retirement. Those are toward energy behaviors. I choose to get a good grade on this test because I want to not fail out of school because I don't want to live in a van down by the river eating out of garbage cans with the raccoons. That's away from energy. So you're choosing to do these things. I choose to go to the gym because I want to be healthy at 50. I know for some of y'all that might sound super ancient, but I'm promising you you're going to blink your eyes and it's going to be here. I remember when I was 21, 25, 29. That seems like yesterday. I still certainly act like I'm still 21, 25, and 29 depending on what day you catch me on or what minute you catch me in. But either way, I choose to do these things because I want things. like I now can future pace. I can, I can go into the future and say, I'm doing these things because there's a payoff further down the line. Right now in the moment today, I go to the gym because I want that adrenaline rush. I want, that, I want the dopamine gets me there. The serotonin rewards me for being there. I enjoy that feeling. It brings, it brings my energy levels up. It makes me happy. And now let's get to your motivations. I choose to because I want to. What's the motivation? What is the purpose of these actions? What values are being met by doing these things? What beliefs do these things prop up? See, the important values and this need being met, right, that's what's behind these actions. By knowing the motivation, I choose to because I want to. Well, why do you want to get a good grade? This is going to bring clarity to why you do things. And from this clarity is going to come a more deeply embodied self-awareness. And self-awareness is the very first quadrant of emotional intelligence. Self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship management. Those are the four. So as you increase your self-awareness, you're actually increasing your emotional intelligence. So by doing this exercise, you get to discover within yourself your motivations for doing things. And a lot of us are doing them for some level of reward. I mean, not a lot of us, like 99.9% of the population at some time when we were children were promised a cookie if we behaved. We learned that with good behavior came rewards, with undesirable behavior came punishment. Right? There's a couple, there's two different main types of punishment this nonviolent communication book talks about, specifically protective and punitive. Where protective is doing something that helps someone stay safe or reduce conflict or harm uh, upon themselves or others, right? That's a protective kind of um, force that you could use. This protective uh, desire to be mindful, right? So when you were a child, there was there was different ways that you may have been shown a certain level of. Obedience, taught to be polite. Part of it was protective, right? Parents tell you to chew with your mouth closed and don't put your elbows on the table and, you know, hold your fork correctly and don't burp and make noises at the table that are gross. Like, it's not just to be polite for them because they're adults and they don't want to be grossed out by you when you're a child. It's also because later on down the line, you're going to go out to eat with, uh, you know, someone you're attracted to or friends. And if you're the per- person burping and farting at the table, eating like a heathen, acting all disgusting, people are going to be less prone to want you around. So a lot of the things that we thought were them just being ridiculous were actually just trying to make us civilized. It was really about civilized. And then there's the punitive kind of um, obedience that they would teach. I mean, this is about making people suffer for their deeds, right? It could be physical, like spanking or, you know, timing them out in a corner or it could be psychological and saying things like, How could you be so stupid? Why are you such a dumbass? Why are you so lazy? So we want to be mindful of the way that we were shown different ways, right? Again, we're earning a reward, so we want something good, or trying to get away from something undesirable. So we get some level of punishment. And those two levels of punishment, at least the ones that I'm going to discuss right now, are protective, doing something that helps someone stay safe and reduce conflict. Right, this a lot is going to be those things that you were taught where they were doing them to keep you protected. And yes, you may have gotten yelled at for not looking both ways for before you crossed the street as a child, but I can assure you that was done so you didn't get d- destroyed by a mail truck. Or there's the punitive punishment that we tried to stay away from, where we were physically um, physically you know harmed, if you will, uh, or psychologically harmed. Right, and so we are mindful that when we were looking for rewards as children, we were looking to be rewarded in a good way. Here's a cookie for being quiet, or not being swatted on the ass for making a big scene in the restaurant. So some of the rewards that I want you to be mindful of, that because a a lot of these, I mean, it's they're built into society. Like the first one, I'm going to talk about money. Right, money is not a need; it is one of the strategies developed to address and meet needs, and that's like a direct quote from the book. Money is not a need. It is one of the strategies developed to address and meet needs. Right? Oh, I need money. You don't really need money. right? I choose to go to work because I want to have money. I need to have money. Well, You don't really need to have money. You do need to pay your mortgage. You do need to pay your rent. You do need to buy groceries because basic human needs are water, food, shelter, warmth. Having a roof over your head is going to provide that shelter and that warmth right? Being able to go to the grocery store is going to provide you with that food. Paying for your utilities will provide you with that electricity that will keep the house warm or cool and the refrigerator warm, well, not warm, but cool so that your food stays in the proper temperature range so that you can continue to eat it and enjoy it and it doesn't rot. As well as you can also have water coming out of the spigot if that's how you choose to drink water or have some fancy machine. But either way, that's what you need money for. You don't need money just for the sake of having money. Money can make you feel safe because you've got tons of it. Rich people always want more. is Is it power? Is it prestige? Is it to elevate themselves above others? Because they will spend all that money to buy a yacht to prove that they're better than other people. So they don't really need the money. They need the conduit that gets them the yacht. Another reward that we seek is approval, right? We have been brought up to believe that reason that we do things that are good is for the reward. If I'm a good friend, if I'm a good student, if I'm a good worker, I'm a good parent, I'm a good, you know, uh, member of the church, a good citizen in general, if I, if I, if I can win the approval of others, that is a, that is a reward in itself. In the six human needs, that's where significance comes. That's where contribution comes from. That's for the certainty of knowing that you have friends because they approve of you and they believe that you bring something to their lives. We do so many things to get people to like us and then we do just as many things to, to try to get them to not dislike us. We'll go pick up somebody from the airport even though we do not want to drive to the airport simply because we want them to like us. We want them to be our friend even though we hate going to the airport. So we will avoid not picking them up And suffer the consequences of that, and rather just make ourselves miserable and drive to the airport to pick somebody else up. I'd say get an Uber, but they tricked us and made things super cheap till they could destroy the taxi industry. And now they've just just jacked all the prices up to back where the taxis were, if not more. But either way, I'm not a huge fan of going and getting anybody from the airport especially now that I live two hours away from one. But in L.A., I could be in Hollywood, the airport could be 11 miles away, and I could still be two hours, still be two hours away from the airport. (laughs) Don't don't get on the 405 at 530. Um, The appreciation we get from people, we think it's confirming that our efforts had the intended effect. But just because we get feedback that's positive from the person doesn't necessarily mean that they're being truthful with us, that they even really know if what we did, how important it was to us or to them. A lot of people are just, we have a knee-jerk reaction to say, I'm sorry and thank you and excuse me, uh, to be polite when we may not really be feeling those things, right? We have this internal desire to feel good about ourselves and we look for this approval to be something that says I have self-worth, I have self-love, I have reached a fulfillment in this relationship. But you could go pick somebody up from the airport and you could think that that they now see you as the best friend that you want them to see you as. You could have just been a ride. We don't really know how our actions land Unless the person's really being truthful. But even when they think they're being truthful, it doesn't necessarily mean they fully know what it is they're feeling. Because we all have that shadow self. We all have feelings that we don't know how to express. We all have some intention going on at sometimes. right We, we, we all have this from time to time, an intention going on beneath the surface that we're not even necessarily aware of. So we think we're, we're, we're getting the approval we want from society for doing good things, and it may not be having the actual effect. Another reason that we seek rewards is to escape punishment, right? The author talks about how taxes, right? If you like what the government's doing with your money, then you have no problem paying taxes. If you do not like what the government's doing with your money, you get very disgruntled paying taxes. Even though one of the rewards we get for being in whatever country you happen to be living in, I obviously am in the United States, right I mean I've got police departments and fire departments, and we have traffic lights, and there's a lot of things my taxes pay for that I can approve of there's a lot of things that my taxes pay for I also do not approve of, but I'm also mindful to be humble and grateful for what I do have and then seek to make some changes in my city or state or Country as a whole, in hopes that somebody out there will finally start spending my tax dollars wisely. Another reason we seek rewards is to avoid shame. Right? We we have these. And the, the next one's avoid guilt, and I'll bring them both in together into this part. Right? Guilt is internal; you feel guilty for breaking your own inter, internal moral code. Shame comes from breaking external moral codes that of society. So we have this voice inside of us that's telling us that we're less than um, or that we've disappointed people, right? Shame is disappointing people and having, you know, being like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I just broke one of society's rules versus the guilt where it's, oh my goodness, I can't believe I just broke one of my own rules, right? If we're doing things to avoid shame, um, we'll eventually grow to not enjoy that activity more. We'll detest it, dislike it, we'll turn away from that kind of activity, all right, so if you are going to church in your town because you don't want to be the one member of your family who doesn't, and then everybody in town will be talking about you, Right, you don't want the shame. You don't want people talking about you behind your back or to your face in a negative way because you don't want to go to church. And that's just the easiest one that popped into my head because I feel like that one might resonate. It could be just as much as going to the movies or, I don't know, something, right? Nothing really seems to have that kind of effect where you might think that, you will have to suffer shame from society. And the reason I brought up church is because you could eventually grow to detest it, dislike it, and turn away from it. If you are forced to do things that you don't want to do because you don't want to break society's moral code, and church is one of those things where I've talked to plenty of people who are like, yeah, I went when I was a kid, but as soon as I got to college, I let that go. Right? You begin to to detest it and dislike it because you were made to go and you didn't want to go, but you wanted to avoid the shame. Whereas guilt is doing something for the happiness, um, you, you want to avoid the guilt. So you do things that you hope will make other human beings happy. But are you really just doing it because you don't want to have to feel guilty for not doing it? Right. One is doing things that can bring joy to other humans, and that turns things to get joyful. Joyful! Enjoy this. I'm enjoying this because, you know, it's like going and working for Habitat for Humanity. Sure, it's hot, sweaty, it's muggy, but I'm building a house for somebody who could otherwise not have one. This is awesome. Let's have some fun with it, right? Whereas if I were to go to Habitat for Humanity, even though I didn't want to, but I didn't want to break some internal code of mine, right? So now I'll I'll feel guilty if I don't go, right? Then it's going to be miserable. So you want to do things as much as possible that you... It's not even that you want to do things that bring you joy. You want to find joy in the things that you're doing. Go back to the thing I said earlier about surrounding myself with things that bring me joy. Uh Uh-uh. I seek to find joy in the things that surround me. I don't seek to do things that only bring me joy. I seek to find joy in the things that I do. I don't have to do this podcast. I love doing this podcast. It's 11 o'clock on a Wednesday night. I am exhausted, but I have a schedule to keep. And I had this awesome topic to talk about. So the next one is out of duty. Feeling that like you have to do something out of obligation. I do not feel obligated to do this podcast any more than I feel obligated to call up universities to go speak at them. There's no I should do this, ought, have to, must, supposed to. All that's just guilt and obligation driven. Right? It can be extremely detrimental to your health if you are behaving in a way that cuts you off from your own needs. If you're doing things out of duty because you don't want to feel guilt or shame, right? You don't want to be punished. You don't want to have to um, have disapproval, not earn some money out of duty. Eventually, you're going to feel a lot of resentment towards that activity. We want to keep ourselves connected to our core, to our core human needs, to our core values and our beliefs. This is going to help you connect to yourself, and that's self-awareness. That's self-management. I want you to get clear on the motivation and the purposes for why you do what you do. All right, we want to fuel ourselves towards this enriched, fulfilling life, doing activities that don't just, we don't just do the activities that bring us joy. We find joy in the activities that we're doing. I don't have to do anything. I chose to do this. I might be four years into this podcast and sometimes I'm not exactly doing backflips about nights I have to shoot it. But I find joy in it once I turn on the microphone. I know that. Once I, hit, once I hit record, game on. What are you doing to meet your needs? What are you doing to help other people have their needs met? You can feel fulfilled, loved, cherished. You can feel all of these things and still say no once in a while. When you learn to say no, you're actually saying yes to something else it could be yes to yourself, yes to an opportunity you've already said yes to, but if you say yes to everything, then you're saying no to a lot of other things. Saying yes you'll take somebody to the airport means no you don't sleep in or no you won't get to get, go to class or no you won't be able to have time to study before work. You want to be mindful of what you're saying yes to. Cuz if you're saying yes to everyone and no a lot to yourself, you're going to grow resentful. And, and go through a, a lot of feelings of anger and animosity and rejection. So the first step, what do you do in life that you tell yourself you have to do? Write a list out. What do you tell yourself you have to do? Now, step two, acknowledge that you're choosing to do these things and rewrite the sentence, I choose to blank and keep writing it like Homer Simpson at the beginning of that cartoon. I, you know, I choose to this, I choose to that. Write out each sentence so it says I choose to in front of it. It's going to be feeling a little tedious, but it's going to open your mind up to the fact that you've made these choices. And then I choose to blank because I I want to. I want to what? What do you want to accomplish? What's the motivation? What reward are you seeking most of all? Because you're going to have a tendency towards a few of these more so. Money, approval, escaping punishment, avoiding shame, avoiding guilt, out of a sense of duty. Are you afraid of taking on some level of punishment, whether it be protective or punitive? Doing something that helps someone stay safe is protective. Making somebody suffer for the deeds they've done is punitive. These are important things to ask yourself. You are in an amazing stage of your life. And even if you're non-traditional students and listening to me in Iran or Australia or Bosnia, I know, it's crazy, I've got listeners there. You are experiencing your own version of this. I want you to grab a pen and a pad and get in the lab and really dive into yourself and find out what's motivating you. Use a toward energy. I'm doing this because I want to feel as if I am fully present in this relationship versus I'm doing this because if I don't, they're going to act like an ass to me. One's toward energy, one's away from energy. When you can notice this in your actions, each and every day, you can really start to harness the power of positive energy. You can release that. You can flow. Cultivate a growth mindset. Notice what it is that you're doing on a regular basis and understand what's motivating those actions. All right, my friends, if you are interested in knowing more about this stuff, I am going to be teaching an amazing leadership class. Do you want to know how to speak, with, speak to people in a mature, honest, compassionate way? Do you want to become the leader of men and women? Do you want to understand how to help people achieve their values, meet their needs? Do you want to be able to take this information that I teach on this podcast into a whole nother level? where you can can actually use it not just in school, but well on into your past your academia and into your business professional life. I am teaching a class. It's going to be over Zoom. It's going to be amazing. It's 12 weeks. It is going to be awesome. We have people from all around the country involved. Last time we had two different Uh, countries going on. I believe we had uh, two different continents about a year ago. We had somebody in Europe taking it. It was awesome. It was spectacular. If you are interested in knowing how to take what I discussed on this show to a whole nother level, reach out to me. It's not hard to find me. Lots of links in the show notes. You can always go to jessiemogul.com and ask me a question and tell tell me that you've heard about this on the podcast, and I'll be happy to send you over some information. Heck, we can set up a call. Let's get on a call. Let's discover what it is. I can Help you achieve. I have hundreds upon hundreds of tools. I barely even get into, past the, the tip of the spear on this show. As always, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.